once again to the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Evan Lionheart of evanlionheart.com in New Jersey. And in just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-host, Catherine Ironwood of luckymojo.com in Forestville, California, Conjurman of conjurmanconsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California, and this week's very special guest, Miranda of Miranda Tarot at Instagram from Minneapolis, bringing us the topic of growing in spring. They will take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of hoodoo, conjure, or root work as divined and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodooist of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from among those who signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you'll, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first let's catch up with our co-host, Catherine Ironwood and Contraman. Ms. Kat? Hi, Evan. Let's hope our Hello. co-host catches up with the show. Um, <laughs> I haven't even been able to log into the chat log yet, <laughs> and I don't have the rundown in front of me, but um, I'm here. <laughs> so um, our dear board op, Nagashiva, got a little um, befuddled by daylight savings time, and um Suddenly, at about a quarter till, we went, oh, my God, I'm an hour behind. So we're rushing to catch up. Um, lucky for us, um, everybody else was um, a little more with it, and so the show has been made live, and here it is, and he's working very hard to get me in, and I will say hi in a moment. Um, what I was doing, while I knew it was the right time, but I just didn't know he wasn't with it, um, I've been working on the latest um, Patreon fabulousness. This will be the lucky birthstones of Adalbert Cohn. It sounds like some. Ooh. It sounds like some sort of Edgar Allan Poe story, doesn't it? The lucky birthstones of Adalbert Cohn, um, <laughs> or maybe an H.P. Lovecraft story. I don't know. Um, Adalbert Cohn was a presumed to be Jewish because he has the last name Cohn, a Jewish printer in Philadelphia who might have had his um, printing done in Germany. Cohn um, is a German-Jewish name common among printers. It's, in fact, a family name of mine. I have not been able to find out how I'm related to Adelbert Cohn, but I'm going to bet $100 that I am, or more, because I come from a family of printers, publishers, authors, and typesetters and rabbis going back to the 1600s, among whom the name Cohn is very common. And um, there are, of course, other names, too, but that is one that appears over and over again. So I believe that Adelbert Cohn was my uh, probably, you know, cousin, seventh cousin, something like that. Cousin along the line of Jeremy Weiss, actually, but from a slightly different part of the family. Um, so... Uh, he published postcards with lucky birthstones, and he he's a, a cool guy. As as in terms of what he published, I don't know anything about him, how he fits into the great scheme of printers of the world. 
So that will be a special page for my patrons. And I'm uh, always uh, looking forward to these weekly outpourings. And Evan, get ready. It'll be done by midnight. I'm on July right now. <laughs> I just have a, a few more months to go. And um, I'm I've already written the yeah, I've already written the intro and stuff like that. So by midnight, it'll all be there. I've d- done the cleanup on the Photoshop. So that's what I've been up to. Uh, of course, I've been running Lucky Mojo Curio Company and the Lucky Mojo Book Company on the side as well, um, making oils and signing books, as always, and uh, just, you know, doodling around the way I doodle. I got my vaccination for COVID-19. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, that was on um, uh, Wednesday, and I had a couple of down days. I I did have side effects. They say that women have more side effects than men. I I just felt fatigued. I felt like someone had just sort of sucked the air Mm. out of me, and I I just wanted to lie there. I, I had all my wits about me. I just my body was not going anywhere and I did have a sore arm like it really did hurt but I've bounced back and here I am and I'm on my way toward immunity I hope so that's that's the news from me and from Lucky Mojo Um, I am very very happy to see that spring is progressing here in California the camellias Mm -hmm. are in bloom and I've been uh hanging out on Hoodoo Psychics on Saturdays. I used a camellia as my logo flower on Saturday. I try to keep the flowers kind of in tune with the seasons. I can't always do so. But um, if you want to get a reading with me at Hoodoo Psychics on Saturdays, just look for when the flower goes up online at Hoodoo Psychics or at my page. It'll be a flower to tell you about the meaning and symbolism of the flower and that means I'm available for calls. All right, so that's what I've been up for. And um, how about you, Contraband? What have you been doing lately? Oh, busy as usual. Lots of uh, interesting things. Mostly doing uh, readings. Had some really interesting um, readings the past couple of weeks, I should say. We did a couple natal readings. And we're really getting into the theme of love, which is really fascinating. I always say that around summertime is where I get the big love push. That's the bit, that, those three months from like, I would just say May to about August, everybody's asking about love. I mean, love is a perennial subject, right? We're always getting questions about love. Um, any reader who's ever done any type of reading will always get questions about love, but there's always an uptick around summer where oh, like it becomes almost the, everybody wants to know about love. And I call it the summer of love. It's just a theme that I, has developed throughout my reading, but it's starting a little bit early this time around. It's starting in spring, and I'm getting quite a bit of love questions. And I think for me, that is an indication that people are starting to think of normalcy. We're not quite there yet. Not by a long shot, right? No, people are still, not there's, yet. A, still, there's still a great deal of anxiety. There's still a great deal of problems. There's still, it's still on the backdrop of everybody. But there is like, there's a light that's gone on. It's a far away light on the horizon, but the light has kind of gone on. People have been uh, starting to think, I think, 
towards normalcy. And so I, I get a lot of questions about love, and that's kind of interesting. So that's been really fun, talking to clients about that, uh, planning around it, giving, giving recommendations and, and group work and, and, you know, doing readings and telling people, yes, there is hope, there is something there. So that has been uh, quite a delight. But also just paying attention to what's going on. If people have been following the news, there's kind of two big things happening right now. In addition to one, the rollout started out kind of funky, and Californians in particular can speak to this. this not all states were going quite well. <laughs> and there was mm-hmm. a weird kind of the, the decision on like who got uh, you know, the vaccine and who didn't was a little bit funky, but things look to be improving, which is really mm-hmm. good. But I think for the first time this past week, we were now having more vaccinations than we are cases. So that's a, mm-hmm. that's a very positive step. Not out of the woods yet, and then we are still worried about these weird mutations um, that are coming from Brazil and, and other places in South Africa. But we're we're seeing definitely positive steps. These are two big news, and this is this is something that really ties into the yearly reading that I do, the annual readings. That there are two massive labor movements that are going on right now. So first is the uh, Amazon unionization vote is happening. They're headed towards, and this is going to be huge. It's going to be a big blow. I mean, Jeff Bezos has refused to show up because Bernie Sanders call, has called him up to explain this whole thing. But there's a unionization effort going on at this Amazon warehouse in Alabama, and it is massive. It's a historic. So pay attention to that. I talked about the year of the broken road, and it is really coming about. And this is, this is huge. You've got to focus. And the other is there's the largest strike in the history of uh, the academy is happening in Colombia right now. All graduate students and faculty are going on strike on Monday. And this is huge. Colombia is a very, as anyone knows, a major university. And these type of strikes can be quite big. Um, and they're usually around unions and union busting. So 2021 is shaping out to be a labor year. Which I mentioned great. that this was that we're going to be seeing some big movements around that, and I think it's just you know we talked about you talked about this too, Cap, a couple of years back when we talked about uh, uh, Uranus and Taurus, right? There's mm-hmm. some type of yes, massive dis- disruption that has happened around labor, agriculture, work. I mean the 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 food being made in 3D printers, right? These are we're really rethinking these things, and I think COVID just accelerated it. It took that Uranus and Taurus energy that was already starting to build, and then that year we were at home, and we started to go, wait a minute, our work is shitty. <laughs> our boxes <laughs> suck. The system isn't working. And so we're in 2021, and we're really kind of reaping of those, you know, the seeds that were sown you know, over that year. So it's, it's pay attention, people. Interesting times ahead it's very very interesting and the the uh, contemporary historian in you comes out talking oh, yeah. about that um i always love checking in with you uh man because of your interest in uh, political history as well mm-hmm. as religious mm-hmm. mystical and spiritual history you're a, a person much after my own thoughts <laughs> and um there's a there's a, a a drift of ideas here that people ought to be following. Um, mm-hmm. Well, uh, we are bringing in a new guest this time, 
and I want to welcome out of the depths of the chat room comes Miranda Tarot. Welcome, welcome. Welcome, Miranda. Hi, this is unreal. It's it feels pretty <laughs> awesome to be on the side right now. Thank you. <laughs> you're you're here. You're now on stage. Um, well, Miranda, it. we've known you in the chat log for a long time. You've always been, um, you know, a faithful listener, contributor, and we know that you're a professional. We know that you do um, uh, tarot readings as Miss Miranda Tarot. And um, now you are, you've become a, a, a performer here for us. So um, we hope to have you back uh, a number of times. I'm going to just jump ahead a little bit before I let you speak. Folks, this okay. gal is amazing. So we invited her kind of as a last ditch because we had nobody to take the spot. Literally, it was like, you know, we invite everybody who's in air and everybody who's in hoodoo psychics. and They all were doing something else. Nobody could do it. And we go, okay, now we're delving down into the chat people. We've done it before, and we've had great results. But Miranda came through with four topics and four different free spells that went with them. And allowed us to overachieving choose. is my specialty. Yes. <laughs> hey, yeah, overachieving is your specialty. Well, so we we have not yet booked the dates, but we are going to have Miranda on at least three more times because every topic she proposed was great, and oh, wow. um, they're they're she's just so cool. So, you know, uh, thank, you. thank you so much for joining us. Now, tell us a little about yourself. Um, what do you do? Who are you? And and um, and how do you um, outreach with your um, public as a tarot reader? All right. Um, I would say that I'll try to give some cliff notes. I actually do have a regular corporate nine-to-five job, um, and it's in fashion design. So I work in clothing. I work in long-term trends. Um, it's pretty pretty wild, very different than tarot reading. But I've been reading tarot since I was around, like, 13 or 14, um, and I've been publicly – reading for others for the last six years or so. Um, and for the most part, I would say that while I have regular clients and people do um, make a lot of appointments with me, I also do a lot of um, donation work for mutual aid in my community, especially here in Minneapolis. Um, mm-hmm. It's a really big, important part of me to provide our community with more funding for what it needs, especially right now. So. That's kind of my big outreach, and I'm available through Instagram right now. It seems to be the the way of my generation to <laughs> do it a little bit uh, silly that way, but to have direct messages and to book readings and things like that. But it's really fun. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting because you're not the only person I know who comes out of art, fashion, crafting, and other uh, talents who works a nine-to-five job, even very highly paid, who has on the side a practice as a reader and or root worker, particularly a reader, because usually setting up a lot of altars for people takes time and space that you might not have if you have a nine-to-five job. But certainly being um, an excellent reader is one of those um, interesting byways that I have seen many people do, and some of them eventually 
um, quit the nine to five job and become permanently readers. Some wait until it's retirement time and they get the nice big bonus package and and then they become readers for the next thirty years before they pass away. So you have a couple of choices ahead of you. Um, we are very happy that you're splitting your time between being a reader and being a a uh, corporate fashionista. <laughs> And um, Evan says, Miranda offers reading specials for people of color and um, and SWs. Um, Sex so, workers. Yeah. Yes. So mm-hmm. um, there's a that's a nice thing to order the to offer those kinds of specials. I think that um, reaching out primarily through Instagram is is an interesting technique. I would I would always suggest that you anchor yourself with a website. Um, because um, crowds come and go from Facebook to Twitter to Instagram, There's, you know, but the web is kind of the big bricks and mortar of the Internet. So I always recommend that people have that place, whether they also are on Etsy or eBay or wherever they are, that they have that website as that giant boulder <laughs> against the corner of their house. I think you talked about this in one of our last episodes about being becoming a root worker, like being accessible and finding you know mm-hmm. finding your mm-hmm. your different crowds. So um, mm-hmm. you're not wrong. I got I got work to do, but we all do, right? You can always keep working. Yeah, we all have work to do. Oh my gosh, <laughs> just correcting typos is enough for me. Um, if I did nothing but correct typos at the ten thousand web pages I've written, I'd probably be at that for about six months. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, well, our topic um, is um, kind of jumping into spring, and this is a a topic that you know, of course, it's annual. We could do a show on it every year. We don't every year because there's so many other topics. But this is a good year to think about it because the pandemic may be on the run. We're not sure yet. Mm-hmm. And um, that means that people may be able to get outside and into public spaces, also spaces where the weather is happening and where they may meet other people. But I'd like to talk about spring in terms of uh, spiritual work. There are many things about spring. We're coming up on the vernal equinox, but spring actually starts at different times of the year in different parts of the world, and you are way up north. What's the weather like up where you are right now? Well, we're having an interesting moment where it was 60 degrees yesterday, and we're going to have three inches of snow tonight, so Uh we're having a very intense um, range of weather. (laughs) The spectrum is pretty wide. Um, but it is technically still winter here, and even though the equinox is coming up on the 20th of this month, we usually experience here uh, in Minnesota, we experience winter up until, like, April. <laughs> like, we'll have big, we'll still have big snow up until April. So it's going to be, we, we all feel like this is too good to be true right now. But everybody went outside this weekend to walk around, to, you know, go to parks, to be with their friends in socially distant areas. So the weather, you know. It, it brought us all outside, and now that we have a taste, we're really excited. 
Mm-hmm. Well, that's but when I lived in the Missouri Ozarks, that's what they called a break in the weather. You know, it would be solid snow and ice, and then all of a sudden, whoops, everything is warm and lovely, but the snow doesn't melt completely, and then there's more snow. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I get that. Out here in California, uh, we're having a little bit of a drizzly rainish thing, on, mm-hmm. and it's raining on the beautiful blooming camellias. So we're ahead of you, obviously, and mm-hmm. but it's not full spring here yet either. Uh, the reason I mention this is that that really, when you talk about spring, we talk about the vernal equinox. That's really mid-spring, and spring yeah. actually begins kind of at what would be called candle mass, and it extends particularly into the sign of the zodiac known as Pisces. Mm-hmm, or um, mm-hmm. the month of fishes, the month when the evil eye does not rain, uh, the month of growth. Um, some of the trees and leaves begin to pop out their buds, the pussy willows, and so forth. In places that are more evergreen, like California, where we have a lot of evergreens, and farther south down into Central America and in the tropics in Africa, the seasons don't change as radically. And the celebration of spring in Sweden and Norway is almost displaced at midsummer because mm-hmm. it comes so late. They have this rush of spring, and then it's all over an instant. It's like this sort of orgasmic, and then it's over, right? and then it's summer. <laughs> so I know that when I lived in the Ozarks, I'd never seen springs like that because our springs, you know, are a little forward, a little step back, a little rain, a little dry, a little rain, a little dry, you know, just like that. That's spring in California, and then eventually all dry. But you never know when that's going to happen. But after it's been all dry for quite a while, you go, oh, now it's summer. So we have a very different way of looking at it here. In terms of hoodoo, um, hoodoo, having grown up as a rural uh, practice, culturally speaking, until the urbanization of most Americans, not just black Americans, uh, in the 20th century, Hoodoo had a rural uh, calendar. And there was a lot of work that was done around the idea of spring planting and a lot of work done around when you could start to harvest things that you'd run out of over the winter. You know, when do you pick those first mm, violet leaves without damaging the violet plant? When do you um when do you decide it's that the five-finger grass is okay to pick at least a few leaves of uh, lest you damage the plant? So early spring is a tentative time for harvesting because you usually want to wait till a full growth and the hardening mm-hmm. of the growth. Mm-hmm. But it is a good time for doing work that increases, especially if you tie it to the increase of the moon. And you have a couple of months there. So that's my take on it. How about you tell us what you think about spring, both spiritually and practically, Miranda? So um, thinking about this, especially this past week with our little, like, surprise warm situation, um, I went out walking a bunch with my sister who was visiting as well as like with other friends. And for us here up in the upper Midwest, um, a big sign of spring and a big sign of something that is important to like the change of our time is moss. And that moss is the first thing that we get to see when the snow melts. 
there's not a lot of other things yet. And moss is like the most vivid, the brightest, and it's also the hardest, um, like hardiest thing that grows on everything here. So seeing it on tr like on trees, seeing it on like stones and things like that, it's the one thing that brings the green and like the excitement to the season. So once you start to see moss, then you know that everything else is percolating under the surface and is ready to rise. Um, and one of the things I thought was really great about spring and just got me excited was seeing a lot of our lakes and rivers are starting to thaw. And that's a really big time for um, when you think about spell work, when you need to, you know, dispose of the conscience of your spell in running water, we have running mm -hmm. water to do that in now. So, like, this is kind of a, it's a great time to think about cut and clear spells. It's a really great time to think about cleaning, obviously, spring cleaning and cleaning your home and making room for luck and room for opportunity. But even just seeing that we now have this availability that when we dispose of things in rivers and lakes, Oh, actually go somewhere, <laughs> like a little bit easier. Um, and then also like walking around and seeing, because um, we have a lot of forests up here uh, and, you know, responsible forestry involves like cutting down certain trees and sending things out so that, you know, to avoid forest fires. And this is a really great time to start to notice um, empty tree stumps because those are really mm -hmm. um, useful depending on your practice as well as you get to see a lot more of the animals together. You're seeing pairing of animals. So, like, right now there's a lot of ducks and geese um, coming back. And those are kind of the, the, the first starts of the imagery. We don't get to start our gardening and for another month or two. Like, we get to order seeds right now, but we have to do all of our seedlings indoors. It's still too frost. Like, well, there's just going to be too much frost um, that would damage all your plants. So, like, Everybody who's here is looking at their seeds to buy. Everyone's getting very excited to buy seeds. Um, and then also mm -hmm. another thing that's a, a big part here is that a lot of people don't clean up their gardens until May because you have to wait for the mm -hmm. final frost. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, I know this sounds very much like the, the your mention of uh, Finland and Sweden. Like, it takes so long for us <laughs> to finally celebrate spring. But a big part of not cleaning up your garden until May is that the pollinators that are in the leaves and in the ground that have been hibernating, you don't want to toss them. You want them to, like, come back to life and to bring the garden to life. So this is kind of right. a, a phrase of leave the leaves. And it's, a, it's kind of a test in patience because everyone is so excited to get started, but we all need to, like, let the animals run on their own time. <laughs> so um, it's a very, very Midwestern and Northern um, regional thing. So I realize that that is very, very different than, say, in the South or in California. But it's a, mm -hmm. those are the things that we're all looking forward to here. And just everyone talking about what seeds they're buying, what they're planning for their gardens, especially because of this last year has been everyone spending so much more time isolated. I don't want to say that everyone's been home because not everyone had that luxury. But having that availability just to think, people are very much like the soil. <laughs> they are ready mm -hmm. to roar. Like they are ready to do things. And I think it's really exciting. So I'm, I have a feeling we're going to see some amazing gardens. And uh, I've been amazed at what has recently flowered in my home indoors just because of um, they've been dormant for almost two years. And this, I'm, there's something in the air that is making things bloom again and just get excited. So I'm rambling, but well, that's my vibe. I'm going to make a, a couple of comments about this. Um, you mentioned moss, and moss is, in fact, one of the first things that um, signifies spring 
even yeah. here in California, although I would say the new grass does too. But in the northern European folkloric and magical tradition, lichens and mosses are much more used in folk magic than they are in the U.S. And if we remember again that hoodoo developed primarily in the area where slaves were uh, imported, and that would have been, as we know, the South, although now, of course, black people are all over the United States, but the Southern customs remain, and the use of lichen and moss is not as common, um, other than Spanish moss. Spanish moss is used for stuffing dolls and for twirly, twisty things, uh, you know, negative import. But it's so interesting to me that in editing the book Trolldom by uh, Johannes Gardbach and, um, and in publishing that book, the number of uses for lichen and moss was, was interesting because that's what they've got. <laughs> and there it is. Um, mm-hmm. Also, an, another thing you said, which is very um, important, as people read hoodoo northward, and, and again, remember, there's a very large black population in Chicago and in Detroit. These are not places, uh, Minneapolis as well, these are not places that are all white. And so mm-hmm. hoodoo moves with the people who developed it, and in those places there have had to be adaptations. How do you... Yeah. Um, dig a hole in the ground to bury something if the ground is frozen solid. And Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I remember the first time anyone mentioned this to me, I kind of, I was like, I don't know, what do you do? (laughs) And the (laughs) person says, oh, you get one of those little, um, those little, propane things, you know, that you hold in your hand, you know, that you used to thaw out your car engine. And I'm like, (laughs) what are you talking about? (laughs) Little did I know. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, you know, you just, you know, whatever, and you can just put that on the ground and it'll thaw a piece of ground for you. And I'm like, okay, then. I guess human ingenuity marches on. So don't don't let the frozenness of the frozen north um, stop you. Then people also began to say, if you bury something in snow, will it be a good burial? And I'm like, I don't think so, because no. <laughs> after the snow is gone, the thing is just going to be lying there on the ground. And um, yeah. and other well, people and began saying, about freezer spells too. You know, right, freezer spells. Like, they're like, right. And so, yeah, can you put it in the freezer until the ground thaws? Yeah, that's probably a good thing to do, unless it's a spell that you want to warm up, in which case, no. Don't put it in the <laughs> freezer to wait until uh, the ground plan. warms up. Not and ideal. So not there's, ideal. <laughs> there's a lot of uh, practical adaptation to do. Um, mm-hmm. Hoodoo in the north. Now, hoodoo has been adaptable to these adaptations before, because if you think of Africa, where it originated, not as hoodoo, but as indigenous folk magic, it, those are tropical climates, and the herbs and roots would have been used fresh, not dried. And it wasn't till African people and their descendants spread out in the temperate uh, Americas that they had to adapt European and Native American temperate zone methods of drying herbs. So the just the simple drying of herbs as a portion of hoodoo signifies its break with Africa and its adaptation to North America. Whereas when you look at Afro-Caribbean um, forms that have derived from African folk magic of various 
you know, uh, indigenous people, they tend to use fresh herbs because they're in a, a tropical zone in places like um, Cuba, Venezuela, and so forth. They, they, they have evergreens, and so the need to go to dried herbs never arose. So when we look at hoodoo, we're looking at something adapted, partially adapted for the temperate zone, if not the far north. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've experienced spring three ways, I say, throughout my life. <laughs> there are three springs. The first is the natural spring. This is what we've talked about. That is the changing of the seasons. You start to notice it. Animals behaving differently. You start to see green, the melting of the snow. I spent most of my life in Southern California, so there's no snow. But you can definitely tell when spring is showing up because the rainy season, rainy season starts to go in. Southern California, we have like two weeks of rain, and it shows up in around February or so, and that's our winter. And then <laughs> that starts to give way to the usual Southern California weather, it starts to get warm. And so it's natural spring, that's natural spring. But I should say, and Kat and I, we've talked about this, is with the you know increase in global warming, we are seeing a shifting of that. Spring is mm-hmm. starting later. Winter is sticking mm-hmm. around longer. There's a big shift. Because I, I, I always talked about this, that, you know, when, we, when I was going to school, when I was in high school, the fall semester, that is the fall when you begin your classes, you started to wear warm clothes. It was autumn. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. But now autumn doesn't actually come around until, like, end of November when it mm-hmm. starts to get chilly. It's there, it's, summer keeps going. And the same thing with spring. Spring starts a little bit later, and we're starting to see it far closer to May than it used to be end of February, beginning of March. So nat- there's natural spring. Then I call what I call work and school spring, and that's daylight savings time, yeah. which as we, as yes, this is the thief. This is a very different experience of spring. The, the natural spring is like, ah, oh, look, beautiful. Oh, yes, things, hope, great. And then daylight savings time hits you in the face and you wake up, you're like, son of a, that lost right. hour. You, know, cause you, you, gain, you gain that hour of, of uh, you know, daylight, great, whatever, that's fantastic. But for those of you that have to wake up early in the morning, whether you're going to school or you're going to work, Suddenly, that 7 a.m. does not look so pretty to you. You wake up mm-hmm. and just look at that clock like a betrayer. A thief in the night came and mm-hmm. stole that hour from you. So a very different experience of spring there. And then the third experience of spring is what I call astrological spring, and that is the sun's entry into Aries. This is a very, very important moment in uh, any type of astrological work. Firstly, Aries is the be- quite literally the beginning of the zodiac. It stretches it back all the way to, to Mesopotamia, but it's formed really in the medieval era. Um, this is where various religions and cultures will celebrate a holiday. So I come from the Persian world, the Middle Eastern world, where we celebrate Nowruz, literally the new year. Our new year mm-hmm. isn't in January. It's in spring. When, when the sun mm-hmm. moves into Aries and we put out a beautiful table with, with aspartame. So we've got garlic and we've got uh, pomegranates and we've got mirrors and candies and all sorts of beautiful things to celebrate that renewal. But astrologically, it's also important because for those of us that do mundane astrology or do annual predictions, we set our horoscope not for January 1st, 
but for when the sun enters into uh, Aries. And that is set for the entire year. What horoscope is happening at that exact moment will tell you what's going on for the rest of the year. And so it is a very important uh, component of spring. So that's, I call these the three springs, natural spring, work and school spring, and astrological spring. Yeah, I'm going to jump in here, too, about New Year's. Just um, for anybody here who's young or doesn't know about the many New Year's. We have Secular mm-hmm. New Year, otherwise known as Gregorian New Year, 1st of January. We have um, the Vernal Equinox, which is I call is really mid-spring, but some people call it the first day of spring. But actually, it's the equinox. It's the middle of the mm-hmm. thing. But that's yep. when the sun enters Aries. And that is a spring that is... Um, associated with agricultural flowering yep. and things like that. Um, as I said, in the farther north you go, the Midsummer Festival in uh, northern Sweden and in Norway sort of almost takes over as a kind of second New Year. And then mm-hmm. among certain people who have lunar calendars in particular, uh, the Cherokee and the Jews, the New Year is at the fall equinox, which is called Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year. Mm -hmm. And then there are other people who start the new year at the winter solstice, which is before the secular new year. That's around December 21st. So there's enough new year in the world that you could have a new year every season. (laughs) Isn't that nice? I love that. (laughs) Yeah, pick your new year. And and also... When you when Go you ahead. think about also like the the sorry I totally to cut in on this but based on where you are in a, in um, difference to the equator you have a shortening of light and dark um, it's yeah. less you know the, the more consistent you are towards the equator you have the same amount of daylight but it really is a big part of um, obviously our crops and how we celebrate um, but it is really interesting where why certain Lunar New, or not even just Lunar New Year's, but any New Year happens. It's usually based mm-hmm. on region and weather. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. very cool. Another it's part a... of spring that we didn't mention is egg laying. Uh, you can mm. always mark um, the, the height of spring by the egg laying. Uh, chickens that, you know, over winter, they stop laying. Usually in around here, they stop laying in October, November. They just mm-hmm. don't lay. And all of a sudden, whoops, they start laying again. And, uh, of course, all the other birds are laying, the robins and the hummingbirds yep. and everybody is laying eggs. And so we have these egg festivals like Easter. Yep. And um, those are wonderful. There's a lambing season, but lambing season, again, depending on where you are, is really based on length of daylight, which really varies based on how north-south you are. And so there are places where sheep will live, but they lamb so early, even in late January, that the lambs are in danger of freezing to death. And so there's a whole big culture about when, how to get the lambs or the goats to, to produce their babies at the right time by withholding the males from the females so that you can get them at the right time because you've pushed those animals outside of their natural um, uh, climatological adaptation range. So there's a lot about that. Of course, um, mm-hmm. the the births of the, the, the cows and so forth, all of those, depending on what, what um, pastoral life you lead, uh, come at different, slightly different times. It's also true that more humans are born in spring than in fall or winter. It just seems to be the it's way it true. is. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, the two common birthdays are uh, uh, springtime and Virgos for some reason. Virgos are the most common <laughs> yes. birthday in the world. I don't know why, but yeah. the Virgo is. I'm yeah, assuming summer, a, but yes, yeah, spring. There's a spread. There's a spread of Aries, Taurus, Gemini, and then there's Virgos. Yeah, with the Virgos, we yeah. don't know. Yep, yeah. <laughs> I got to explain it to us later. the main one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a lot more Gemini. But, but this yeah. all speaks to really the, the, the fact that there is a natural rhythm to life. Whether you're celebrating spring in a particular time or you're celebrating New Year's at a different time, there's this idea that there's a natural rhythm to life that is associated with the seasons, with the counting of the, you know, of time, whichever way we measure it. And we have all sorts of funky human ways of measuring time long before that clock that we stare at, or now it's our cell phones, I guess, that we stare at, right? Long before that, we had all different ways of measuring time. And so are there's a natural rhythm to life, and our root work should reflect that as well. The spiritual work that we do should reflect that as well. I'm often taken aback a little bit. Maybe this is the Taurus in me that's, that's speaking. And you two, please, please chime in if you disagree. But I'm often taken aback sometimes by people who have these spiritual practices that, you know, put up their shingle and they're selling spells or doing whatever. But people who don't actually have a natural rhythm. So, like, spring doesn't mean anything Ooh. to them. Fall doesn't mean anything to them, right? These things are meaningless, but they're, they've got candles and they've got altars and they've got all these different things, but there's not an actual connection to nature. Now, I'm not saying everyone needs to go out there and, and plant things and harvest things. I'm not saying we have to live in an agricultural society or that everyone has to have a green thumb. But if you're not, if there isn't a spiritual rhythm to your work, if your root work isn't connected to the sort of world around you, to the movement of light, to the movement of the sun, the stars, and the moon. If there isn't that sort of natural rhythm, then I think I really do think something is missing. There's a there's a disconnect that happens. Like for example, spring. Every spring, I have spring cleaning, and that's not just a mm-hmm. sort of a casual thing. It is a deeply spiritual thing that I do. I clean the entire house, but also the altars get cleaned. That doesn't mean I only clean the altars in spring. That's when I do the deepest cleaning. That's when the candle wax gets broken off. That's when the dust is removed. That's when the altars smell nice. The house smells. Everything gets lifted up. As the grass grows outside, so too inside is there a smell. It smells like Chinese floor wash. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good like smell. <laughs> it is. Yeah, you, you smell that Van Van. That's why I associate Van Van with spring. You smell Van Van. You go, oh, yeah, spring. Right, it it really does oh, and transform and change. Yeah. yeah, and I do the same thing with my mojo bags. Spring is when I redo my mojo bags. It's when mm-hmm. the mojo bags that I've done all year that for the year they get the new covering. I do all sorts of work. So there's a natural rhythm to the world, a way of measuring time and marking the beginning of spring, and that too reflects in the root work that I do. It reflects in the spiritual practices that I do. I set up my now rose table, candles are lit. So I I often wonder, have we lost that connection to that natural rhythm? And if so, it is crucial for us to rekindle that, reconnect in whichever way. You don't have to venerate spring, but there should be a noting there is a change of the season. There is a change of the light. There is a change in the time. Yeah, I've posted some links to some readers and root workers dot uh, org pages. One is the Air Wheel of the Year page, where you can see mm-hmm. the eight yearly festivals, 
And then one is to the Ostara, Easter, Vernal Equinox, Lady Day, Irach, Alban, Eglir, Festival of Trees, Gwilganol, Iguanwin page. <laughs> wow. <I hope. laughs> and, How uh, many days and get... W's and Y's? Wow. <laughs> uh, but when you get to that page, you're going to see some beautiful colored eggs and a bunny rabbit with some daffodils and an Easter egg. Mm-hmm. And it, it, uh, we have uh, web pages for every one of these seasonal festivals. So uh, it's interesting that you mentioned remaking the uh, mojo bag, that you do it in spring. Some people do it on uh, St. John's uh, midsummer um, mm-hmm. only. Mm-hmm. And some people do it at the vernal equin- uh, at the uh, yeah. autumn equinox. Yeah. And That's some people do one. it on the one-year anniversary of when they got the mojo bag. So, again, mm-hmm. these customs vary. There is no um, hierarchical, um, uh, you know, uh, patriarchal, dogmatic, clerical, clerical police force <laughs> yeah. Yeah. telling you when you can do this. But annual, yeah. annual means annual from when you started counting. <laughs> yep. I wanted to add oh. on to what you were talking about, Ali, around the um, – I'm sorry, Miss Cat. Did you have something? I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, sorry. I was just going to comment that Shiva said license. In um, in in um, Afro-Caribbean uh, re- uh, religions, they often speak of licentia, license. And um, Nagashiva, being a, a transgressive person by nature, always points out licentia because he feels that that marks those approaches to mysticism of, as being under a hierarchical. Mm. Command. Mm. Very cool. Um, well, I'll, I'm just I'm going to backtrack only a touch, but just to talking about what um, or adding to what Contraband Ali said about um, the almost like sometimes the loss of connection to the changing of the seasons. I would mm-hmm. say like there's two things that I think are interesting. Be, having lived in Los Angeles in the Bay Area for you know 14 years. And missing the changes of the seasons or not knowing the um, what to look for, it took me a really long mm-hmm. time to recognize yeah. the switches and the changes. Like, there's a certain thing in the Bay Area when all of the grass is green and then it turns to gold. And that's like a big, mm-hmm. that's a big shift to me when I think about when I live there versus here, we definitely have very pronounced seasonal changes. And what mm-hmm. I think is interesting is that as we've, went to, as a a society, we've gone after globalization. So we truck in foods and things from all over the world so that you can, so that we can have avocados in Minnesota. We've lost Mm -hmm. the rhythm of our seasons because we don't know the seasons in which they grow. And so people are starting to recognize that that idea is not good, like that we need to Mm -hmm. focus a little bit more on our local produce and our local growing seasons and what's available because we shouldn't be using so much effort to bring something to the rest of us that isn't necessary. So, um, mm-hmm. or not necessary, but just costs a lot. And I think people are, especially with the um, appearance of farmer's markets and other markets within our neighborhoods popping up more and more, people are starting to get reconnected again to what those seasons are. And I think that's super important. It's like why mm-hmm. there's spills that you would make with pumpkins, and that's a specific season. Like, you shouldn't be able to buy pumpkin year-round. Like, there's a, <laughs> there's a reason. <laughs> So mm-hmm. I think that people are, mm-hmm. are getting reconnected, but we're, it's going to be a, a, a long while before everyone gets back on that timing because globalization is real. Like, mm-hmm. it is what it is. 
And I think yeah. time has also really collapsed horribly in the pandemic, right? We kind of lost track of when was what and what day was that. I mean, we can all sympathize with that. We wake up and just can go, I don't even remember what day it is. It's, it's, it's time to be tricky, but I think pandemic time was even worse. So this 2021 maybe hopefully offers us an opportunity to kind of reconnect and refigure out our relationship to time, our relationship to the rhythms around us. Because even, even cities, I would say, have their rhythm to them that are tied to the seasons. You might not notice that the grass is growing or that the animals are doing something. You should probably note what the, your, your cats are up to, the city cats. Usually is a big giveaway of, of what season is doing it. <laughs> but also um, human activity itself. We do things differently in the spring. Spring is when you'll start to notice laughing. The kids are outside. The kids are playing. They're playing basketball in the Ooh. basketball courts, right? These are things that are the beginnings of the giveaway that, ah, there's more daylight. They're going to be out there more. That eventually it's going to head to summer where they're going to be out there all day, right? So you should note that there are human activity changes as well. Shopping increases. You know, people often talk about uh, Black Friday and they talk about that particularly peak period. But the more kind of long, you know, term experience in shopping is around spring. So there are human activities that help us and remind us that spring is here, that things are changing. And we can, re- we can note stuff like that even in a city, that there's some change in the air. Mm-hmm. I'd like to, to mention something about altar decoration with spring. Yeah. Um, and this is, of course, um, pagan people are used to having seasonal altars, but um, others do not mark the seasons as strongly as neo-pagans do. Mm-hmm. And so the altar is usually decorated with what is necessary for the work, but many people do like to have fresh flowers. And uh, as Miranda was pointing out, now with air transport, we can have, you know, Gerbera daisies any day of the year. It doesn't really make a difference. Carnations, whatever it's going to be. If they can grow marijuana in greenhouses, they can certainly grow carnations in greenhouses, and they do. And that means you can have carnations at your local supermarket in little bundles for $4, any color you want, any day of the week. So it's a good idea, though, if you're thinking about marking the season, to look around you and see what is actually seasonally blooming. It'll be available um, through a florist or through a grocery store um, floral outlet, but uh, if you don't grow it yourself or have a neighbor who will let you pick a few of whatever it is, it's nice to keep track of the seasons with what's really growing where you are. Now, right here, I've mm-hmm. mentioned the camellias, and uh, camellias do not, do not make a cut flower. You can't. They just, they won't. It's not mm. in their nature. But you can float a camellia on water. Um, on the other hand, if, if you do like most Californians do and plant the camellias right outside your windows, you just open the window and there's the camellias. They have no scent. Um, you don't even need to open the window. It just looks like a clean glass, and you'll see the camellias blooming their little heads off. And there are other things that mark uh, the season that are floral, but you can bring them in to use on an altar. And I tend to like to do that, to have the flower or fruit of the season on the altar, as well as whatever I'm using, you know, whether it's a John the Conqueror root or a, a Queen Elizabeth root or whatever it might be. But I also like to have cut flowers on my altar. That's just me. 
Mm, yeah, that's fantastic. Another practice that I, I encourage clients to do, and again, you don't have to note all the seasons and you don't have to be, you know, you know, working in a sort of natural magic form. Not all religions have that. Not all spiritual practices have that. But I do think that the marking of the passing of time is particularly important. So I tell clients that they should do readings at particular moments of their year, whether they're doing it for themselves or do, they're doing it with a reader. You should get it. And the one that I think is the most important, if you're not noting the new year, you should note spring. When spring comes mm-hmm. around, you should get into the habit of doing this sort of yearly reading. And you can do this for yourself. You can just pull out the tarot and cast the wheel of the year if you want. Or you can do a pendulum reading or you can do a bibliomantic reading. Or maybe for you, you are going to cast that horoscope. And if you want to get even more in-depth to it, then you can do one at each of, the, each of the four seasons. You can do it at spring, summer, fall, and winter. Or just spring and fall, the two equinoxes. Or you do it just at spring. You could do any variety of it. There's no sort of fixed method of doing it. But if you build that practice, of rhythm, if you build that practice of spiritual guidance, you're going to find a great deal of benefit. And you will find that your year will be more ordered, more organized, that the things that you want to achieve will be easier to achieve, the things that you want to avoid will be easier to avoid, because you're not walking in blind. Even if you don't remember every detail of the reading, what ends up happening is that building that building in that rhythm, building in that system of I'm checking in, it, it helps to really kind of guide you. It helps to organize intentionally what your year is going to look like. Ah, this is what I want. This is the year I'm launching my business, and I've done the reading for it in the spring, and I know what's coming ahead. So I really recommend it. And I have clients that do this, Kat, and I'm sure both you Mm -hmm. and Melinda have the same experience, that they have a sort of regular check-in that they do once a year or twice a year that they come in, and they're like, oh, it's my time for my usual reading. I just want to see what the year looks like. I want to know what's going on. There, there's a, there's a tendency to have a birthday reading. There's another besides exactly. the four yep. seasons, just have a birthday reading. Um, I'm going to talk about timing for a moment. And those of you who have read my books know that I talk about there's many different ways to do timing. Timing a spell by the day of the week, referring to the planet that governs that day and that planet's association with different areas of life, such as Mars with war or whatever it might be. And there's also timing by the lunar cycle, the growth of the moon, the shrinking of the moon, timing by the moon's sign of the zodiac, which it goes through very quickly, timing by um, your menstrual cycle if you're a female, and timing by the rise and fall of the clock hands if you're um, into that one, timing by day and night of the sun and moon, if you know, growth through the sun and you know protection under the moon and so forth many 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 forms of timing one form of timing is the yearly timing and the young people myself when young also rarely saw the benefit of this because a year you go well you've only had maybe 21 years in your life and you're not getting it like why do this spell in spring but by the time you're 35 36 you'll go oh i get it and you'll start you'll start falling into an annual rhythm because you'll see the repetition and the cycles of growth. Very hard for children to understand this and very hard for even for young adults. So 
if you do um, readings that are are uh, done by the timing, you can also do spells by the timing. So when is the best time to bring in a new love? Well, around that time from winter into spring. Don't clear out the garden. I loved what you said, Miranda. Don't clear out the garden until all of the overwintering pollinators and um, <laughs> newly hatching pollinators have gotten set to their new cycle. In other words, don't get rid of that old boyfriend until the new boyfriend <laughs> has hatched, right? And then clean out the love garden it. and be ready to go. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's, a carry, it's a carryover. It's great. Well, I tell women this all the time. They go, should I just dump him? And I go, no, now you're going to have four years of loneliness. Don't do that. (laughs) No, you don't even want four months of loneliness. Just just wait. Just wait wait till the new pollinator hatches and then clean out the old dead stuff. Anyway, um, so spring is a good time also for increase of money. Think of that Ace of Pentacles card. The roses are in bloom. The lilies are in bloom. Lilies are associated with Easter. Roses are associated with um, May or June, depending on where in the hemispheres you live. And so there you go. And there's that big coin. Just boom. There's your coin, yes, folks. Yes. The best, the absolute, you're, you hit something right on the nail right there. The best time, in my opinion, to plant the seeds for a promotion is spring. Because the promotion will come at the end of the year or the beginning of the year, but you want to plant it early. So get that honey jar on your boss going now. Get that spell mm-hmm. going now. If you do it now, you will reap the benefits later. So if you're going for promotion, mm-hmm. you'll hear about it maybe later. You'll hear about it. You'll get the news maybe around November, December time, or maybe it'll be a whole year and it'll be January when they tell you around mm-hmm. New Year's. But the actual spell work, you want to actually start it in spring. You're, you're very you're spiritually, you're actually planting those seeds, so to speak, if you will. You're, you're really kind of working with the idea that everything is glooming, so you're going to now put a little bit of that uh, the, the magic in. You're going to go, okay, I'm going to build this abundance and the abundance that is growing, the flowers that are blooming. I'm going to plant some spiritual seeds here that I'll reap later. So I have always seen that when it comes to promotion magic, increasing your paycheck, anything, if you started in spring, you will definitely see some really good results later on. It may not be right away, but you will see it. So this is, yeah, Miss Kat, you're absolutely right. This is a perfect time for you to put to do that promotion magic, money drawing magic, abundance well, magic, wealth magic. Holly, I do have to add this. Like, when it comes down to it, you need things to grow. Nothing grows overnight. You need time to harvest. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I think your, your point of starting it in the spring is the right thing. That's right. That's right. Well, there we go. That was an interesting topic. I hope it gave you all something to think about. And um, now we're going to take a call from a client for a reading. And I was informed in the chat that this client is coming from England, like actual England. So mm. let's turn it over to Evan Lyons. All right. <laughs> yep. And I'd like you all to stay tuned. The Lucky Mojo Hooter Hour with your host, Catherine Ironwood, Contraman. And this week's very special guest, Miranda, will be right back. Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com. And by the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners, located online at readersandrootworkers.org. And by Hoodoo Psychics, the first psychic line run entirely by Hoodoo practitioners, Receive a reading with a trusted root worker instantly. Call 1-888-4-HOODOO. 
or visit hoodoopsychics.com. And by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches, located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go to the phones and talk to our European clients. Our client is calling from the UK, area code 718, and goes by the name Neeks7. Neeks7, are you there? I am. I'm here. Can you hear me? Excellent. I can. Thank you so much for giving us a call today. And um, I do believe that you have not had a reading with either Conjurman or Miss Cat. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Excellent. Thank you so much. I'm going to go ahead and read your situation for our host. And Neek7 writes, I would like to reconcile with my ex-girlfriend. We broke up on February 20th, 2021. I've had some work done since that day. However, I want to know if it's going anywhere or if I should move on. I know it's still early, but would rather know now than waste my time. Turning it over to you, Ms. Cat. All right. Well, Neek, I'm going to ask a couple of questions. And um, first is, what is your sign of the zodiac? Uh, my sign is a Pisces. Pisces. And, oh, interesting. Um, and yeah, <laughs> that is interesting, isn't it? And it, what it is, is your ex-girlfriend's uh, you sign? You mentioned that earlier. I found that I found that quite interesting because I know uh, Pisces came up earlier, and and my partner's uh, sign is a Virgo. Funny enough, um, after we oh, oh my god, Virgo. Okay. Okay, very interesting. The opposite of Pisces. <laughs> so both of those are um, mutable signs. And, of course, sometimes um, opposites do attract. Miss um, uh, Brand Tarot in the chat said solar return time. And um, Venus is in Pisces now, too, says Evan. So very appropriate for today's um show and cousin joshua said <laughs> it's like the show is hosted by psychics oh my god yeah. <laughs> there's, All there's right. something else there, okay well okay oh, so i'm going to turn this over i i can see um i i can see uh countryman is saying uh yeah my my horary i gotta say okay so i'm going to turn this over to Conjurman for the first reading, and I hope he does a great horary. And then we're going to have a reading with Miranda on the question. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so take it away. I, I, I'm chomping at the bits here because this is one of those moments where you're just like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> when you cast the horary chart, so a horary chart is the exact moment a question is asked. When you understand the question, you, you pull up a horoscope and it tells you what's going on. You said Virgo and Pisces, right? That that you're the Pisces and she's the Virgo. Listen mm-hmm. to this. Yeah. So the sun that is the sign that is rising. This is the indication of the question that is being asked, right? The person that is asking at this exact moment is Virgo. <laughs> Virgo is the sign that's rising. So literally, you're asking about, right? Who are you asking about? You're asking about her, which then mm-hmm. means. The seventh house, which is the house of relationship, is Pisces. So right in there, right in the horror. This is one of those moments, like, I mean, think about this. The, the signs are in constant motion. We're, the exact moment that you ask is the exact moment where these two signs that are you are lined up. This is one of the great things about uh, root work and psychic work and, of course, astrology. I mean, it's just one of those moments you go, oh, Wow. So right there, the chart is already telling us. Now, it's interesting 
that the signs here are swamped. That the sign that is rising is Go, which is your your partner sign, and Pisces, which is the you, are is in the seventh house. So it is swamped. What this indicates is that you are thinking of each other. You're thinking of her, or you're thinking of your partner, and your partner is thinking of you. So there is a there is a thinking. There's an exchange that's happened. It's not Pisces that's rising. It's Virgo that's rising here. So then we look to see. Can we confirm this? Where are the rulers of these uh, signs? Where are the planets? So Virgo is ruled by Mercury, and Mercury is an Aquarius. And then Pisces is ruled by Jupiter. Where is Jupiter right now? In Aquarius. And so they're right oh next gosh. to each other. They are absolutely thinking of one another. There are absolutely is a very strong connection here. And this is an indication, a very strong indication, that whatever work that you have done is is working, that there's working at the psychic level. Now, both of these signs are in the sixth house. The sixth house is averse to the first house, meaning that you can't see it. So I'm not sure if it's manifested yet or if you've received strong signs yet, but be patient with it because it means that the work that's happening is happening in the background. It's happening at the invisible level. It's happening beyond your sight. So whatever okay. communication you had up until this point, if you had no communication, let's say you guys haven't really talked since February, it's been several weeks, it's okay. Be patient with it. There is a good indication even in the figure of Venus here. Venus is in Pisces. So it's in its exaltation, right? This is a really positive sign. The emotions here are strong. That said, the question is, will you be able to? Is there a chance? that you two will connect? And the answer is yes, because you have Mercury and, and Jupiter right next to each other, almost conjunct, we would say co-present in the same house. This is an indication that yes, you two will reconnect. There will be a chance for reconciliation. And this reconciliation will come relatively quickly, relatively suddenly, and without sort of expectation. Suddenly it'll sort of happen. There'll be a call, there'll be a phone, hey, I kind of miss you, can we get coffee? Oh, okay. And then thing one thing will lead to another, and there will be some type of, of, of strong physical connection. There may be a hookup that happens. That said, warning in advance, Mercury then moves <laughs> where it moves into Pisces, where it's not in a happy place. It's in its fall. And what this will indicate is that while the reconciliation will happen, the magic will manifest, the old problems will exert themselves once more. And what we will see is that there was an imbalance here. You will like this person, love this person, desire this person in a much stronger way than they will you. So there will be, there's a sort of hot and heavy reconnect that will happen, a hot and heavy reconnect. And you're like, okay, great. Everything is headed in the right direction. And then once the reconnect happens, within a very short period of time, just as fast as you reconnect, those old problems will surface once more. Miscommunications, misunderstandings, confusion about the direction of the relationship, what each one of you actually wants, will all bubble up into the surface. So this is one of those instances of saying, yes, reconciliation is possible, but the old problems have not been addressed here yet. The issues have not yet been addressed here. There is also a warning of a forthcoming or soon coming third party, that there's an interferer that is on the scene. So that's what I see with this horror reading. I'm going to turn this over to Miss Miranda, and then Miss Kat is going to give you some root work advice. Okay. 
Hi. All right. Um, I I'm using the Rider Waite Smith um, deck, which is pretty traditional. And as I was doing uh, my cards, I I literally shuffled them out and like shuffled and put them out at the same time that um, Ollie started to read for you. And I don't know if this is just because the show is talking about spring, but there is definitely a hookup vibe <laughs> in this right now. The reading that I'm doing is it's four cards. The first card is going to be um, what's the situation. The second card is what do you need to know. The third card is what do you need to do. And the fourth card will be a message that you need to, or something that's upcoming that you need to be aware of. The first card I got, which is your situation, is the Two of Cups, which is very much related to love and very much related to a joining of uh, spirit and, and mind, body, everything. Um, it's clearly the sign of love. The second card I got, which is what you need to know, what may be hidden or what might be um, an underlying part of of the situation was justice and justice which is a woman who is carrying a sword and counterbalancing her weights of uh you know a scale she's the cutter of bullshit there was something that might have happened with y'all that might have been a little bit more about the breakup felt justified the breakup felt fair and there was a number of reasons that were completely logical but you know justice isn't always lovely justice is sometimes what it is so there might have been something there in your breakup that um, made a lot of sense. Logically, it made a lot of sense. Um, but clearly, it's not done because the next card, which is this, the, the next card doesn't exactly say this, but if you do want to reconcile with your girlfriend, the next card is what do you need to do, you physically need to do in your life right now, which is <laughs> it's eight of swords, which I think is hilarious you might need to wait for her to come to you. This might be a place where you need to sit back, wait, and also um, listen. It's a, it's a sign of removing some of your senses. It's a sign of bondage. It's a sign of waiting and some patience. And the last card, which is the message about your situation, something that might be coming up soon, is um, – Sorry, uh, the card, the last message out of this is Ace of Wands, which I think everyone here will laugh at how I usually think of this card. I usually call it Ace of Wangs. Like, it is like hookup time. Like, I get this for anybody. doesn't matter what your orientation, but it is a big, thick wand filled with lots of sprouts and greens and ideas and conversations and energy. Y'all are going to hook up again soon. But I think that there is definitely something that needs to be discussed further because a hookup does not make a relationship. A re, you know, there's, you can have passion and get back together, but there's definitely a, there's something that was justified before. And why is, is it still justified? Is it still something that was valid? And can you work through it? And the last part I pulled just as an extra, just to make sure I understood this, was Page of Cups which is that initial energy of understanding and learning and listening and psychic intuition, which means there might be an opportunity here for you to really hear her out or for her to hear you out, um, especially Pisces, and this is a fish in the cup. So I, I have a feeling that there is something here that needs to be um, fully, fully listened to and digested, but that is – I see there's a possibility, but there there needs to be a little bit more conversation. You'll definitely have a fun time, though, hanging out. I'll say that. 
Okay. All right. Wow. Thank you. I that, it, oh, that makes it all right. <clears throat> I'm going to say something about that Page of Cups because that's an interesting card, and you pulled it as an extra. Um, which some I do that too sometimes. I run the old, old three-card cut, and then sometimes I run card number four. You ran four cards, and yeah, you ran a fifth. The Page of Cups can signify people who cannot live together but can communicate in that the fish is in the cup and talking to the page and can't live on land with the page, and the page is talking to the fish but can't live in the water with the fish. Mm. So I sometimes call it the sequestered relationship, but there's good communication. So it's just something I would have added to that um, notation, to that card. Um, now, I'm going to um, go to some root work advice. Um, so, uh, Nick, there's something that I would like you to do, which is to consider what we've been talking about, about this um, space between Virgo and Pisces, this oppositeness, also the the message of the sixth house that came up in the horary, which is the natural house of Virgo. So we're having a kind of a Virgo-Pisces thing here, right? Emphasizing the Pisces emphasizes communication, and um, it emphasizes some of the benevolent aspects, the Jupiterian aspect of, of the page and the fish. But... Virgo is not so amenable to that. Virgo is a drier sign. Mm-hmm. So I'd like you to do some work around liquids and earth. you got two things going on here, liquids and earth. So first of all, I would like you to, before you go, any place where you can meet your ex or run into them, I'd like you to bathe and use love herbs. You can use um, Lucky Mojo's love herb mix or make your own love herb mix according to your own taste. Just make sure you have some rose petals in it and, you know, a little bit of um, cubeb berries. You're going to want some juniper berries. Just just a few little things like that that are lovey-dovey. Catnip is a great one to put in. Um, Violet. There's a series of those love herbs. You can find them at Hoodoo at a Glance. And I want you to bathe with um, that or just any love herb mix that's made by any good herbalist. And um, when you do that, uh, light a candle before you go into the bath or shower. Make the tea and light the white candle and then sit with the white candle after you come out clean. And you can put a white robe on if you want to or just be naked. And sit and look at that candle and start thinking about this person and what they mean to you. Not how hurt you are, not how much you want them back, but what they really mean to you, what it really can be, what you can offer them. And just sit and meditate while that candle burns. Use a small candle. I like to use little um, Hanukkah candles or birthday candles, which only burn for you know, 20 minutes to uh, a half an hour or 40 minutes. But you can go to a four-inch candle. I want you to spend just enough time with that that you really have a moment to understand deeply what you want. Now I'd like you to do a ritual of earth. And this is to kind of honor that Virgo. And I would recommend that you tend to a garden. We talked about um, coming of spring. If there's any garden, whether it's a public garden or a private garden that you have, a vegetable garden, a flower garden, the garden of a friend, 
or a garden society, I want you to spend some time tending to the earth, maybe just cleaning up around your own place. And as you do that, I want you to think about how you're going to beautify it. And I I want you to think about how, you know, trimming the plants, getting rid of the old stuff, making way for the new, whatever it's going to be. And do that for at least one hour as a meditation on this Virgo, who is by nature symbolized by a woman who's growing grain. Uh, You can also eat a meal of uh, mixed grains if you want to, or, you know, wheat, kasha, rice, buckwheat, you know, whatever. Uh, And... And think about this woman as the the virgin who brings the grain. And virgin in that sense meaning a young woman, a, a, a woman who is marriageable, not meaning a woman whose hymen has not been <laughs> opened. Um, it's just a mistranslation by the Christians, you know. So the, the virgin who brings the grain is who she represents. And think about what you can bring to her. And then when you have that communication, which both Ollie and um, and Miranda predicted, try to keep communication pure mm. and good. It's going to be hard. It really will. It looks like there may be a hookup, but there looks like there may be another fail. And so be prepared that if there is a fail coming along, well, uh, that's what's going to happen. Okay, So um, try to prepare for it. And um, does anybody else, Miranda or Contraband, have anything else to add? Just that uh, a client is unmuted. I don't know what was the reason for your breakup. If you could just tell us real quickly. You don't have to. But the key here is Um, you've got to address those underlying issues because they're going to bubble up again. mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I mean, the the issues you could say came came from me, um, but I was – doing what I can to, to make my, the situation a lot more smoother. Obviously, I live in England, and she lives in the United States, so there's a lot of mm-hmm. difference between us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, I think that was ah. the Okay, I got to break in here. I got to break in here. This goes to that card. Hold on. This goes to that card, the Page of Cups, the sequestered relationship down by the sea. This is the problem right there. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. in different worlds. Yeah. Different yeah. worlds. And mm-hmm. sixth house you can't see, right? It's completely an aversion to the first house, which is you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that being unable to address that, this sort of underlying issue, that's going to bubble up again. There is a communication. It's going to be a hot and heavy communication that's showing up. But if you don't address the distance, there's trouble. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we wish you well, and uh, let's hope we all get vaccinated. And when we get vaccinated, we can all see each other face-to-face, hand-to-hand, toe-to-toe, heart-to-heart, and you-know-what to you-know-what. All right. (laughs) So well. So good. (laughs) All right. Next up, our network schedule announcement with vaccination on the side. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix LeFay, Fridays, 1 to 2. And Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 
7 to 8. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time to go to our free spell segment with Miranda of Miranda Tarot. Take it away, Miranda. Hi. Um, so my spell, my three-minute spell, is uh, the quick spell, is something regarding spring. Um, if you own plants or if you've taken care of plants or any of that kind of business, you'll know that in the, the fall and winter, it is not a time to repot or move or fertilize your plants. But springtime is the best time. And so my spell idea is a little bit more around how can you help your plants, if you have one that exists, repotting them to make them a little bit more magical. Or if you are buying a plant, make this an opportunity to when you put it into a planter that you prefer to let it grow on your behalf. Um, so any small plant that's ready to size up in, in a pot size diameter, or if it's just something small that you bought at the store and you just want to put it into something beautiful, um, all you'll need is regular soil, but also you need to have a petition. You'll need to write your petition on biodegradable paper or maybe a peel of a vegetable or fruit that is impressionable. And I say impressionable, like um, there's certain fruits that, like apples, they brown, so you can write things into them. Potato peels might be an opportunity too. It just depends. But just be mindful not to have too big of a piece because you don't want to harm the roots of the, of the plant that you're repotting. Because some of those fruits and vegetables can be a little moisture rich, and that might cause root rot. And that's already a bad sign for yourself, so don't do that. But that's why I, I recommend a paper that you know is biodegradable. And make sure that you put that petition paper at the bottom of the pot prior to adding in additional soil and then adding in the plant that is ready to um, be repotted. And the reason I say that is, again, you want to make sure that anything that might biodegrade, which usually involves moisture, you don't want that to get to those roots because you want those roots to be healthy and safe. Eventually, it will break down and feed into your plant. And as your plant grows, it will grow what you are asking for. So whether you are asking for love, more opportunities, wealth, it is the perfect time because there's more sunlight. There is the, uh, the availability of these plants to actually change and get bigger because of the sunlight. It's also the best time to fertilize your plants. Right now is when I'm about to start fertilizing my plants. I use a... Uh, this might not be great for everybody, but I use a local fish-based fertilizer. You can also find other natural fertilizers, um, and there's many things you can do to feed your plant. You could also use eggshells, pulverized eggshells, to help add calcium to your plant. That's another symbolism of spring that we should, you know, think about when we're having eggs. It's a good idea to utilize. The other thing I'll add to this is that you can add cinnamon to the top of your plants, or there's other herbs that can be considered as well, but cinnamon is really great to keep away certain pests. It also helps heat up your spell work. The second part to this is pick a plant that's going to grow the way you need it to grow for your opportunity. Say you need a lot more money really fast. We're approaching tax season, the stimulus check, all these things that you need at work. Mint is a fast-growing and very... Uh, prolific plant. <laughs> it's really good for containers. That's the reason. It's great for containers, bad for your yard. So just be mindful of like what you're going to use. You could also use that mint later in um, your spell work, in your food, in your drinks, things that will help continue that luck 
as you go. And it will keep reminding you of what your intentions were. Tending to a plant every week allows you to remember the intentions you set um, at the bottom of that plant. Another idea is rosemary for protection for women's work, to be listened to and respected. It's also a very hardy plant. ZZ plants and other um, relatives of snake plants and things like that, those are darn near hard to kill. They can go into dark rooms, so it doesn't matter if you have no sunlight or near no sunlight. Those plants will thrive, but they grow really slow. So if you need money now, don't use that kind of plant. Use something like that for maybe generational wealth or generational stability or things that can help make your family feel cared for. There's a lot of a lot and lot of plants and a lot of magical plants, especially in hoodoo, and I'm not mentioning nearly enough, but um, it's a great opportunity to find a place to get your, your ideas to grow and to foster the idea, and you'll feel good putting your hands in soil and opening up the roots of your plant, putting it in and seeing your petition paper and knowing that it's going to take root. The last thing I'll add um, to all of this is that these make wonderful gifts. They're a little bit of a sneaky trick or a sneaky gift, but I mean that in the best way. When you make a plant spell like this, it's something that you want to give to somebody with a great deal of unconditioned, like unconditional love, unconditional hope, things that you want to be good for them. Um, the other thing that you could do is if you're not using this as a gift for somebody else, you could eventually cut off pieces when you're trimming and pruning your plants and create cuttings that you gift to others. When you when you gift a cutting that needs to root itself, it's an extremely rewarding experience for people to see the roots grow on these plants. You can dress the bottle, the, the water cup that you're making and sending to your friends. Um, you can dress that. You can put labels on it. And it's, it's a wonderful way of sharing your wealth or sharing your, your luck with others. That's wow. It. Well, those are, those are wonderful um, gifts for spring. You mentioned giving them as gifts, and there are old hoodoo spells mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Probably the most famous is the red apple or red onion that's been cored yeah. with the couple's name in it. And yes, it goes in the yeah. bottom of the mm-hmm. pot, and then you plant a fern. It's very, it, it, growing ferns was very popular during the Victorian era, and um, people had um, fern gardens, which were called ferneries, and uh, they also had moss gardens. <laughs> as well um so i mean that you know and so um nowadays people think oh ferns are a little fussy it's because we use um air conditioning and ferns don't like mm-hmm. air conditioning yeah. they do not thrive with air conditioning so use another plant if a fern won't work for you i also um, mentioned in the chat uh using twining plants for um making a uh, binding in a gentle way. Pothos is a plant that's very easy to grow and kind of can be trained around to curl around mm-hmm. things. I have yeah. done I have done a spell in the past with a a pothos and a GI Joe doll. I, you can just imagine what that was like. <laughs> mm. And very particular. It worked it worked very well. Very well. Um, another another plant that I like to do when you talked about cuttings and offsets are spider plants. 
Um, mm. Spiders are associated with webs. Webs are associated with capture. Spider plants kind of spring out all over the place. And you can cut off the little spiders. They make little air roots, and you can pot them. And um, start spider plants up. When they start to put out a little bit of shoots, give them away. The next person, it's like giving people yeast dough starter. Okay. <laughs> All right. Spider plants, well, I mean, they're just wonderful. I, I think that, as Nagashiva said in the chat, they grow outdoors in California, so most years they'll overwinter. All righty. Well, thank you, Miranda. That was wonderful. And we have three more shows with Miranda coming up, but not in sequential order. We don't know. She will pop in when she can. Um, and I very much thank you for being here. Let's turn this over to Evan. He'll give us our wrap-up, and then we'll all come back and say... Goodbye in our own separate ways. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, thank you, Ms. Kat and Conjurman. And thank you very much, Miranda of Miranda Tarot at Instagram from Minneapolis for being our guest this week. Join us next week when our special guest from the Association of Readers and Root Workers will be Lady News on Opening the Roads to Success. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour was brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. You can find Ms. Cat via the Lucky Mojo forum at forum.luckymojo.com and Conjurman at conjurmanconsulting.com. Oh, wow, sorry. And Conjurman at conjurmanconsulting.com. <laughs> I'm your announcer, Evan Lionheart, joining you from evanlionheart.com in New Jersey. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour can be heard every week live on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and the shows are available in archive via luckymojo.com forward slash radio show dot html. For all of us at, the Lucky, at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at this time when you will hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Waltz. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. Thank you, Evan Lionheart, for being our announcer. Thank you, Miranda, for being our new special guest. Thank you, Conjurman, for holding down the fort. And I'm going to go back to writing more about Adelbert Cohn (laughs) (laughs) and the lucky horseshoes with gemstones in place of horseshoe nails. This is on your Patreon. You can all look look for an announcement on Facebook. Evan, it'll be done by midnight, I swear. Uh, Good night, everybody. Good night.